Look at somebody and say, even when I can't see it, he's working. Say, even when I can't feel it, he's still working. How many of you know he's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Really quickly, while you're standing, we're going to get ready to uh, do something very special and obey God with our heart for the house anointings. Offering, I want you to grab your your phone or your envelope, and if you're giving on envelope, just write Heart for the House on there. Um, but I want to encourage you because I've been praying all week. I said, what can I say to you? Um, and God said, there's not really anything I can say to you to make you give, but there is something I can say to you to encourage you um, because we've been now talking about this for two months, and I believe that we have a church that has prayed and already heard from God. Um, I believe that what we've asked for is in the house So it's just up to us to listen, but I want to encourage you from the word of God and just uh, because I believe that this is a scripture that he dropped in my heart and then we're going to move into the word of God. But I really want you to hear this because some of you um, are here in your life right now on this stage um, and this is for you in in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, um, we have the prophet Elijah and Elijah Um, It's just moving at the direction of God, and God tells him to go somewhere. Um, And this is what he says. He says in verse 7, it says, Sometime later, uh, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. How many of you know when when it dries up in your life, you need a word from God? Um, There's not that we won't have dry seasons. We all have dry seasons, but when you have them, you need a word from the Lord. And that's what um, Elijah received. He said, then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, go at once. How many know some things you got to do when God says to do them, you got to do them right now. Um, If you wait till tomorrow, the enemy will steal your blessing. But he says, go at once to Zarephath and in the region of Sidon, stay there. And then the next part is what I'd like. He says, I've directed a widow there to supply you. Um, And so he went where God told him and he found a widow gathering sticks And he called to her and he asked, he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar that I may have something to drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and he said to her, bring me a piece of bread. How many of you would, if you women, if somebody said, hey, go get me some water and a piece of bread and you don't even know who this man is? (laughs) Uh, But she nonetheless, and this is her response. And this is where many of us are in our response to when God asks us to do something. He says, as surely as the Lord lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself, say myself, and my son that we may eat it and die. Sometimes your man of God, the man of God that that God puts in your life will sound like he's ignoring what you're going through. And he will sound insensitive, but this is what Elijah does. He says, don't be afraid. In the midst of what you're dealing with, in the midst of what you've calculated in your mind, he says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. In other words, go. You, you think you're going to eat it and die. You go on and do that. But he said, but first, say first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and for your son. How I many of you know he sounds insensitive? But he said, for this is what the Lord says. Not only is there a word for Elijah, now there's a word for her. (laughs) He says, the jar of flour will not be used up 
and the jug of oil will not run dry until the, the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went and did as Elijah told her. Some of y'all are waiting to hear from God and he's speaking through your pastor. That's a different message. <laughs> so there was food every day, say every day, for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word that the Lord had spoken. And so here's what I want to tell you. Then we're going to give and pray. Um, there's four things that God will do when you obey him with the seed. He'll stretch you. He'll save you. He'll sustain you. And he'll give you a surplus. That's what happened in the word. How many of you believe God's word today? How many of you came ready to give? Shout amen. amen. All right. So we're going to give this heart for the house offering. We're going to give our tithe. And then we're going to preach and have a good time. Can we say amen? Get your phone and envelope in your hand. I want to speak over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to obey you. Lord, I believe you as, you as I've been praying, Lord, that this is the seed that causes people's trajectory in their life to change. Lord, it, it causes windows of heaven to open. It causes doors to open in their life. Lord, I speak favor over everyone who's heard you, everyone who obeys and the tithe, the offering. And this special offering today, Lord, we thank you that we are blessed. We thank you that the, the, the devourer is rebuked, oh Lord, for our sake. We thank you that we are called blessed by all those who see us. Thank you for deliverance, for healing, for freedom in this house. And Lord, now open our minds that we would understand, open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear the word that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, let everyone that agrees with that shout amen. Shout amen. Shout amen. Let's, let's get into this. I'm excited. It's December, um, and we're getting into, how many know Christmas is coming up? <laughs> and, and what I found, and, and what I found with the holidays um, is it just simply means different things to different people. Um, anytime you have holidays come up and you have significant things uh, come up, it just means different things to different th people. And what we think sometimes is a celebration for some is actually very difficult for others because many people um, at this time in, the, in, our, in our life, uh, those who were close to us, those who were close in our life may have gone on to be with the Lord. We don't know. But, um, and it just means different things. Some people don't have happy memories of their holidays. They don't have happy memories of, of special dates that come up in the year. But what I want to tell you is that what I felt so profoundly that we needed to close our year out with is we needed to bring God's people back to Jesus. Um, and I think it's so important that in this world we can lose focus so fast. We can be distracted so easily, but the only thing that matters is Jesus. Um, and, and, and we can't accomplish anything. We can't do anything in our lives. Our lives have no meaning outside of Jesus. Um, it, it is so important to realize this and really carry this in our life because if you don't understand, for example, the political unrest and the um, religious unrest that was happening at the time that Jesus was born, you won't make any real identification with you know, your life today. But it was a mess at the time that Jesus was, was coming. Um, there was political unrest. People were dying. Um, there was corruption. There was all kinds of things going on. And into this came Jesus. And so the people, the, the Jewish people, this is just some background before we get into today. Uh, the, the people were, were looking and expecting for Jesus to come, but they were expecting him to come in the way that they wanted him, in the way they wanted him packaged. And so when he didn't really come is what they 
thought a king should look like and act like, then they got confused. And, 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 but the important thing for us to understand today is that Jesus shows up to make a difference in our life. Um, and so what I'm going to be doing in the next three weeks is I'm actually going to be working backwards. I'm going to preach a message today called uh, simply the five. Um, and I want to emphasize the reasons that I feel Jesus came. But then after that, we're going to go actually backwards the next two weeks into his birth. And we're going to end with a great celebration on the 22nd. Say celebration. They got, got some people planning some stuff, and I'm excited about that. Um, so um, let's, let's get into this. But uh, we often celebrate the arrival of Jesus with no real understanding of why he came. How I many when I was coming up, Christmas was, it was about the Christmas tree. It was about the gifts. Um, it was about all of these other things. But we really, when we dig into the scriptures, we find out that there's a reason that Jesus actually showed up in this earth. Say reason. And if we understand the reason that he came, we'll understand the reason, uh, uh, we'll understand what he actually wants to do in our lives. And that includes every single one of us, no matter what we've experienced what we've been through, what we've gone through in our life. Jesus wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in you. He wants to do something for you. But most importantly, he wants to do something through you. Um, and we need to understand that. So we want to get an understanding why he came. John 10, 10, very familiar passage of scripture to us. But we need to, be re we need to revisit this every now and then. It says a thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you know you have an enemy? It's quiet in here today. I don't know why. But you have an enemy, and the enemy comes into your life to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Um, and I always thought that the order of those words were interesting because he comes first to drain life from you, to steal life from you. Um, and then he wants to kill you. Now, you need to understand this word kill what we associate many times with this word kill is the, the, the ending of life as we know it in the grave. But how many of you know the enemy will kill you and let you breathe and still stay alive? Oh, some of y'all missed that already. He'll take every ounce of life from you and let you simply exist. Um, and then he seeks to destroy you because the enemy doesn't really get any pleasure out of you sleeping in a grave. He'd rather kill you, let you breathe, and put you on display for the world to laugh at. Oh, some of y'all missed that. But all of that is canceled out by what Jesus actually came to do. He said, my purpose was to give them a rich, say rich, and a satisfying life. You got to understand this because many of us got ourselves in trouble because we looked for satisfaction. We looked for, for fulfillment outside of Jesus. And so many times, we, 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 because we're not excited about Jesus anymore, because Jesus is not the one who thrills our soul anymore, then we miss all that he actually is doing and wants to do in our life. We get caught up in what this one can do for me and what that one can do for me and what this one should have done and what they didn't do. And so our joy and our happiness and our peace is solely focused on what other people do. But our joy and our peace is always meant to be anchored in Jesus. Jesus, as we, uh, uh, Brother Desmond said in our huddle, Jesus at some point has to be enough for us. Um, and, and what I fear in this time is that what we've done is we just want what we want and we want to tack Jesus' name onto it. 
But the reality is until he becomes the center of his church again, until he becomes the center of our lives again, we'll stay stuck right where we are. But when we say, Jesus, all that I am, all that I hope to be, everything about me, I give it all to you. I lay it down to you. Then he can begin to take over and move in your life. How many of you have some things you can't solve right now? But if you just say, Lord, I'll give it all to you. I place it all in your hands. Jesus has a way of working it out. Sometimes we got our hands so much in it, all we do is make a bigger mess. But when we say, you know what, Jesus, I can't figure this out anyway. I don't know how to do it anyway. It's all yours. My life is yours. My thoughts are yours. My words are yours. We can do that when we realize that it's always God's intention to bring fullness and completion to our lives. How many of you seen that movie, Jerry Maguire? It's an old movie back in the day. You know, and that real... Y'all probably, if you've seen the movie, you know where I'm going. They got that real cheesy line. You complete me. But we live like this. We live like it's somebody else's responsibility to complete us. And the reality is, is that we will only be complete in Christ. To have meaningful, blessed, powerful relationships with one another, we've got to find our true satisfaction in Jesus first. Because here's what happens. If we're not satisfied with Jesus, what happens is when you disappoint me, I blame God. Notice I said when. How many of you know as flesh and blood, there's a possibility that I'm going to disappoint you. There's a possibility that you're going to come wanting one message one day and God gives me something else to preach. You know, there's going to be a possibility where you want me to do this and I want to do that. And, and even in your own lives, you, there's times where you might disappoint somebody else. It's not your responsibility to be somebody else's peace. I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. So Jesus completes what's missing in our lives. From Genesis up until the arrival of Jesus... Something was missing. How many of you have ever had a void in your life? And voids are interesting because when you have a void, sometimes you do things that are not good for you in order to satisfy that void. And something's missing. And, and what happens is, is your life actually becomes more reckless and dangerous because you're trying to fill a void in a way you can't. Even your desires, your dreams, your hopes, watch this, the visions that God wants to fulfill in your life, those things will never complete you. Your completion will only come, your wholeness will only come when Jesus takes over your heart. And this is so, so, so important. And I said, how do I know or how do you know when Jesus has your heart? What can he ask you to do that he doesn't have to fight with you to do? Hmm. Our refreshing often begins with our rethinking. You're like, man, this has been a rough, some people are like, man, this has been a rough season for me. It's been a rough life for me. It's been a rough year for me, a rough month for me, and I just need to feel some freshness. I need to feel refreshed. Sometimes that starts in your mind. And until you start to rethink some things, and, and, and sometimes people just have to take honest inventory and say, I've got to rethink the way I've done some things in my life. I've got to rethink the way I've treated some people. I've got to rethink the way I act because what happens is if you don't, you become self-centered and, and, and you think that everything orbits around you and everybody exists. To, you ever met somebody like that? And you think that everybody in your life exists to serve you. How many of you sometimes you've got to take some personal responsibility? 
sometimes you got to say, you know what? I've got a part to play in my peace. I've got a part to play in why my life is where I am right now. And I'm not talking about blame, but it's just saying, you know what? As, as I've turned my life over to Jesus, I have to accept that my surrender includes accepting my part in seeing my life turn around. But it starts with a rethinking of the thought process. What else? What else? When Jesus shows up, the next thing he does a lot of times in our life is he changes our priorities. So a change in our lives begins with a change in our priorities. If we took honest inventory of our life and the list of things that we deal with in our life, how many would be honest and say that Jesus has been at the top of that list? And here's the challenge. When he's number 10 on a list of 10, I want you to picture him having to fight through nine through one to move in your life. That's why he wants to be first, because when he's first, he sets order in your life. And let me tell you something. Jesus never shows up to keep you where you are. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He never shows up to keep you in the position that you're in. Every time Jesus shows up, he shows up and he rearranges. And so that's why you feel discomfort when Jesus asks you to do something you didn't want to do. This is why you feel a cringe when Jesus asks you to do something that you didn't plan to do. You know, I'm a person of routine. And my wife, for some reason, seems that her personal task on this earth is to ruin my routines. And so every time something jumps off and it goes a different way, I feel a little twinge. You ever been there? Like, this is what I planned to do. This is what I laid out to do. This is what I expect to do. And now you want to do this. Listen, there's not that many reasons to go to Target. (laughs) Y'all get my point. But Jesus shows up and you can take it to the bank that he's going to rearrange what you expected. Say, prove it to me from the scripture. I'm glad y'all asked, man. I, I love the word of God, so I just do this. Over, here's what he says. It says, one day in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water because they fished for a living. You ever had Jesus show up on your job? <laughs> show up and start dealing with you in the midst of, of of your work day, your school day, and he just shows up in the midst. And this is what happens here. Uh, Jesus called out to them and said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Let me stop here because you don't get the full picture of this text unless you compare it with the other gospels. And so what's actually happening here is the fact that they had been fishing all night and didn't catch anything. If you compare that with the full account of the story, they didn't catch anything. So Jesus goes on the boat and he says, launch out in the deep and let down your net for a a catch. And so if I'm Peter, who is a fisherman by trade, he has a carpenter, watch this, he has a carpenter get on his boat and tell him how to fish. You ever had somebody come up to you with something you weren't expert in, something you knew, and they told you maybe try this and you're like, I know what I'm doing? What's worse is when you want to say it, but you can't. You're like, oh, so you got ideas now. You haven't, you haven't helped me this far, but now all of a sudden you got ideas. 
So Jesus, this carpenter, this Jewish carpenter who knows woodworking and how to put things together, comes on this fisherman's boat and tells the fisherman what to do. And so what he says, he says, nevertheless, okay, you know, since you said do it, we'll go out and do it. And it probably won't catch anything. That's how some of us live when Jesus tells us to do something. I'll try it again. I might as well just pray. Wow. Let me give church another try. I might forgive them. You know how it is. Some of y'all I know are, are really saved and you never do that. But there's some other ones of us, when Jesus comes to you and he tells you to do something, you're like, you smile and be like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they let this net down, and now they need help in more nets because they catch so much fish that they can't even hold them in. And so the end of that is, Jesus says, now, okay, um, you see what I did there? Now leave your nets and come follow me. So... I just want to show you that I'm God enough that if I want to bless what you're doing, I can. Y'all miss that? How many of you got things in your heart that you want to do? God will show up sometimes and say, I just want to show you I can bless that and prove to you that now I'm calling you to do this even though I can bless that. That's how he interrupts things in our life. And so they say, he says, come follow me and I'll show you that there's a higher priority. You're fishing for fish, but I want to teach you how to fish for people. You exist because somebody else needs to know Jesus. If you make the mistake of thinking that Jesus showed up in your life only for you, you're going to miss so much life. But he shows up and he makes a change in your life because there's people around you that need to know him. Come, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Look at their response. And this has to be our response every time God asks us to do something. And they left their nets at once, say at once, and followed him. Our problem is God gives us something to do. He calls us to do something, and rather than obey, we think. Quiet. God, I just want to make sure that what you're telling me lines up with what I want to do. But they had enough sense to realize that if this man called Jesus, could take a fishing drought and turn it around immediately, they needed to be hooked up with him and not with their own priorities. But what happens further? And a little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting at the boat with their father, repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately, say immediately, Followed him. Say some promises are time sensitive. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. If you want to have a meaningful life for Jesus, there's some things you got to leave behind. Because there's some voices that comforted you in one season that will kill you in another. I'm not even in my notes now. I just feel this in my... Some of you are literally dying because you're listening to voices in a season that's already over. And God is saying, I'm calling you to do some things right now, and if you try to do things the way you did them 10 years ago, you're not going to move. 
And this is our problem. We, 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 we're claiming, we're shouting amen, but we're claiming blessings for things that our obedience doesn't qualify us for. So we call, God, my harvest is coming, but you have nothing in the ground. We say, God, I'm going to make you, you're going to make me a fisher of men, but you haven't left anything. How many of you will be honest and say, there's sometimes, man, I start out to do what's right. I try to do what's right, but then I hear whispers. You know those whispers. You're not going to make it. It's not going to work this time. It's always going to be the same way. Is that, am I the only one that the enemy talks to like that? But you've got to understand when, and this is what I tell you, when you know somebody is a liar, why keep listening to them? There's some people, when they start talking, you just got to be like, yeah, okay. You don't have to call, because some of us, we, 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 we street. We'll tell them right there, you a liar. <laughs> you know, we got, we, some of us say, but we still got some of that hood in us, you know. Don't lie to me. I see right through you. But sometimes you got to be able to see it and not say it. And this is where we got to learn some wisdom. Sometimes you got to be able to see certain things but not always say it. Everything that comes in your mind doesn't need to come out of your mouth. And so you just got to know that what somebody's telling you sometimes is not true and say, well, God bless you. <laughs> and keep on going about your business. God's vision for our lives always reaches far beyond ourselves. So he called them, but his, his, his mind was not only on them, his mind was on those that he wanted them to connect to and reach. Do you realize yet that no matter what you've experienced in your life, that your test will soon become your testimony? Amen. you got to understand that. What, what you're experiencing right now, you might be experiencing it because someone else needs it. Someone else needs to know that you came through what you went through. What is hellacious for you right now, somebody else may need to hear that there's victory on the other side of struggle. You know, and this is, this is what, what it, because there's some things that we go through in our lives and they hurt and we don't want to deal with, you know, why, why did this happen to me? Why, why did this happen? It seems like I, I tried everything right. It seemed like I had everything lined up and I still got so many tests coming at me. The reason is because when you're on the other side of it, there's somebody you got to be able to reach your hand out to and say you can make it out of this. But it requires us to get beyond us. God's purpose for us is introduced with divine interruptions. This is critical. If you miss this, then you're going to miss the whole message. God will show up in your life, and he will completely sometimes throw you off balance. Because you lined it up, you decided what you're going to do, you decided this, you decided that, and he shows up and says, you know what? We're going left. And some of us cannot hear me today. Some of us cannot hear God because we won't humble ourselves and say, sometimes my way is not the best way. Divine interruptions. You know what a divine interruption looks like? It looks like you wanting to get out of the gas station, out of the grocery store, and somebody in front of you needs to hear a word from the Lord. It looks like divine interruption looks like that person who always gets on everybody's nerve on the job needs to run into you and experience the mercy of. Oh, y'all missing this. 
Those are divine interruptions because we like it when God shows up and says, you know what? You're so wonderful. You're so marvelous. I want to do this in your life. But your blessing is tied sometimes to what you do for somebody else. So if it's introduced with divine interruptions, then God's vision for our lives requires our cooperation. I feel like Brother Desmond should preach today because I'm stealing his points from Huddle. But Jesus won't make you do anything. What he provides, what God gives us, is a divine opportunity. What we have to do in order to be blessed is cooperate with the opportunity he's given us. And what sometimes ruffles my feathers as we talk about times and seasons as if they're always determined by dates on a calendar. But times and seasons in our life are dictated by revelation and truth. That means that as soon as I internalize the truth that God is trying to share with me, as soon as the, the truth is imparted, my season will change. You know and so this is why, watch this, if you've been in church long enough, this is why we got a slogan for 17, a slogan for 18, a slogan for 19, and somebody will come up with some stupid slogan for 20. And we'll still walk in the same pattern of life if we don't change our perspective. We'll still be claiming stuff we were claiming in 15 that God is going to do. He said, God, God is saying... In 20, he says, I'll do it for you if you listen to what I told you in 15 to do. Because claiming doesn't bring your promise, obedience does. The divine call requires our immediate response. This is faith. When God speaks, we got to, this is, this is what, we got to respond before we get distracted. I know this with my three-year-old. I have to look her in the eye and say, I want you to do this right now. And then I have to hold her hand and walk her to do it sometimes. Because at that age, watch this, if I give her a few minutes, oh, look at that. And she's picking up the plastic grapes off the floor instead of doing what I asked her to do. And while we laugh at that, many of us, our spiritual lives are just like that. We pray, and God gives us an instruction, do this. And your disappointments, your struggles, your trials, your tests, in five minutes distract you from doing what God told you to do. And the enemy has your blessing just like that. Say, stay focused. Sometimes our faith is lost in the pit of contemplation. How many of you had starting faith, but that faith didn't go all the way through? You had a season in your life, man, I was believing God hard. I was trusting God hard. I was running hard. But then you ran into something in your life that really shook you. I tell you, I hit some experience in my life, and they shook me to my core. Things, things I thought would never happen. Things I thought people would never do. Things I thought people would never say. And what I learned in all that is to never say never. <laughs> How many of you know you'll go through something in this life? 
How many of you have been through something, going through something right now? I mean, like hard, not, not I'm going through something that's really shaking to me my, my core right now. And my word to you is simply stay focused. Don't be distracted because you'll look at that thing you're dealing with so hard and you'll miss the whisper that God is saying, do this and I'll take you to your breakthrough. What frustrated me, man, this is more prophetic than notes. I'm sorry I'm not sticking to it all the way, but I feel somebody needs to hear this today. The challenge that the children of Israel had was that they prayed to God and they asked God to do stuff, and then they fought against the answer to their own prayers. Literally, they prayed and they begged him, get us out of this Egyptian bondage. And God answered. He sent Moses to help them get out. But every time they ran into a test, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to the place that we prayed God would deliver us from. Unless we judge them, we can get shook so hard we do the same thing. It was easier back then. It was easier when I did this. It was easier when I wasn't even trying to live for God. And all those millions and millions of people who constantly look back, missed their promised land. But there was two people who believed God in the midst of it anyway. And God let them in. Say this with me. I will not let my test cost me my promised land. If we overthink, we will underproduce. struggle with this, to be honest with you, to be transparent with you. As an analytical person, and we have some of that in there, sometimes you can see something in front of you and you get so fixed on what's in front of you, you, you what you see is hindering what you need to hear. Sometimes you need to close your eyes to the circumstances around you so you can hear divine instructions. If you're thinking has not gotten you out of what you're in, it's not working. And so you need to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What's the next step? What is the next thing you want me to do? And if you'll be still long enough, and just sometimes you got to worship him, you got to praise him, you got to get on your knees and pray, whatever you need to do. But if you'll be still long enough and hear him, he'll tell you what to do. Even if it's just stand. One of my biggest fears as a pastor is to, 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 to preach sometimes to people whose breakthrough is tomorrow, but they give up today. And to tell them, if you did, just, just held on. One more week, God would see you through. If you did, just not, just say, you know what, don't let your frustration and your anger and your temper keep you from what God has for you. Just speak the word of God one more week, and if you can just get to Saturday, God will bless you. So what's the priority? What's this all about? What is, why, why is God going to deliver me from my tests? Why is he going to deliver me from my trials? What is my life really all about? How will it be evaluated? Why did Jesus come? What is it that he actually wants to do through me? Very quickly. This is what he says. The end of the Gospel of St. Matthew says, But when the Son of Man comes 
in his glory and all the angels with him. Then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from the creation of the world. I got to this, and, and I've got about maybe five minutes and I'll be done. I got to this, and I just want to talk to you very transparently. What I began to think about, if, I'm sure I'm not the first one that's thought about this, but I began to think, think very deeply on this. If, if I was on trial today for being a believer, being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Would there be enough evidence in my life to be found guilty? And I paused and I struggled because that question caused me to really think about are my, our priorities the same as Jesus? Are we focused on what he came to do, are we focused on what he asked us to do instead of focused on what he can do for us? And I want you, as you listen to this last part, to ask yourself the same question. Jesus came to do certain things in our life. There's certain things that he wants to do through you, he wants to do through us at church. And my question to you is, would there be enough evidence and proof in your life to find you guilty of being a disciple of Christ? Listen to what he says. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in to your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Don't miss what he's saying. Some of us are ministering to Jesus and we don't even realize it. Some of us are blessing the heart of the master and we don't even realize it. Why? Because the focus was never on us in the first place. And this is what he's saying. They're saying, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, say the least of these. You know who the least of these are, right? Those are the ones that, that they're not the popular ones. They're not the ones that you, you can scope out and see if they can do anything for you. He said, these are, he says, even as you've done it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So what is it that Jesus wants to do in our life. What is most important to Jesus must be what is most important to me. If you want to live a blessed life, if you want to live a prosperous life, it's okay to have dreams and goals and visions and things you want to accomplish, things you want to do, but what is important to Jesus has to be important to you or you won't make any real progress in your life. 
And so hear this. Hear this. Very quickly. This is why he came. He came to save our souls, but this is what he came to do through us. He came to enable us to feed the hungry, satisfy the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the in prison. Now this will mean more to somebody who's actually not known how they're going to get through certain things. Because sometimes some things we don't empathize and sympathize with until we've been through them. And we don't understand. All we do is we, we sit on the sidelines and we judge what people go through instead of being who God said for them to be, for us to be. And we sit there and wonder, why aren't you moving in my life, God? Why won't you give me this? Because he can't trust you to obey him. Say this with me. Say, Lord, if you do it for me, I'll let you do it through me. Stand to your feet. I'm going to prepare to worship the Lord, and I want you to, to, to just worship him with all of your heart. I want you to worship him believing that he's a Jesus, he's a God who keeps his promises, who keeps his word. Some of you right now, you, you, you have things on your prayer list, things that you're trusting and believing God to do, and you need to be reminded that if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he came through before, um, he'll do it again. You sit there and you're like, I don't know how we're going to make it. Well, you made it this far. You're here today, right? Yes. I can't hear you. Are you here today? Yeah. So you made it here. The devil, li- the devil lied to you last week and said you weren't going to make it a week. And you stand here today proving him a liar. Yes. Raise your hand if you have some things you need God to do fast. Yes. Just be honest. It's, it's okay. We're we all family here anyway. I need direction. I need hope. I need wisdom. I need whatever it is. Keep, keep them up for a second. I want to see who you are. No shame. There's no shame in that. I want you to make this song a declaration and trust that God will move in your life. All right, we, we're, we're done. I just feel one more thing before we, we go. There's an abuse that's taken place in your life that's caused you to become hard on the inside. I don't know who this is for, and I, I don't need you to come up. I just need you to let God deal with you. But you sit there, and every time you come into contact with people, there's a tenderness in you that wants to come out, but the hardness rises up. God is healing you. He's healing you today to be free. You don't have to guard yourself from being hurt anymore. He's got you protected. I don't know who that is, um, but God is moving in your life. And lastly, secret sickness. He's healing it right now. I'm not talking about anything you've told anybody. I'm talking about things that you're dealing with on the inside that you've been ashamed and afraid to tell people. God is healing the thing that you're trying to hide. Um, So I want you to know that God is moving in your life. He doesn't want to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out. He doesn't need you to be called out in order to heal you. He's healing you right now. Let's agree together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for what you've done in this place. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for favor. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're causing our ears and our eyes to be sensitive to you. Lord, forgive us for 
forever thinking that we needed to keep you on an agenda, keep you on a schedule. God, you have your way. Lord, even as I'm praying right now, minister to the hearts of your people right at their deepest sense of need. Those who have fought left, lost, forgotten, let them feel found, valued, and healed right now in the name of Jesus. I command every lie of the enemy that says you're going to die of this, you're going to die of that. You shall not have any fear of death after you leave today because God has healed your mind. He has healed your body. Repeat after me. I am a child of God. I am who he says I am. I will do what he says I can do. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can think, ask, or imagine. I'm favored. I'm healed. I'm completely adequate for everything that he's called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, um, Y'all don't run and leave before I get a chance to, to fist bump you, high five, hug, sanitizer people who don't like to shake hands. Just, um, you know, y'all don't, don't leave. I want to greet you. Um, I, I hope you know and you feel that this pastor loves you. He cares about you. Um, he cares about what happens in your life. And I carry you and I pray for you daily. Um, not because of what you can ever do for me, but because... God has placed you on my heart, and I believe in your future. Um, I believe in your purpose. December 22nd, mark your count. Be here December 22nd, man. We're going to have a fun time during service, a fun time of fellowship after service. You'll hear more about that online. All right, God bless you. Have a great week, and I love you.